Hey, what's up, guys? It's Rico here, CEO of Source Financia, Coast to Main Podcast, and the host of the Source Financia YouTube channel, of course, back with another one. I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, Rico. Always a pleasure. <laughs> How are you doing? Very good, you know. So I guess just a yeah. quick update for the audience. Like, uh, where are you? St- you're still in China? Still in China, yeah. I'm in uh, the northeast Dongbei, as they say. And, uh, it's tech, you know, my wife's hometown of Shenyang, mm-hmm. past Beijing, up kind of, if you know, China looks like a chicken, if you look mm-hmm. at it. So I'm in the head, kind of in the, towards the mouth of the chicken. How do you compare living in, in Shenyang to, to Shenzhen? I don't know what tier city this would be called. Two or two, probably. You know, it's there's some nice places. I mean, I'm not, I'm also not really looking for the expat. You know, I'm not looking for the international foreigner scene anyway, because I'm married with kids. So my life is a lot different than uh, before. So I, but I think even though there's definitely less expats, I, I think that I could find them. But uh, it's very much more local. It's uh, it's there's Korea. It's it's near North Korea by a few few hours. So I haven't gone to North Korea yet. I don't think I don't know if they'll they probably let my American butt in there. But uh, you know it's more Korean food. It's a little bit more like every city every block looks the same. Like it's yeah. kind of like copy pasted <laughs> everywhere. You know like yeah, it's grid. It's kind of- you know. It's kind of like most uh, Chinese cities. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's like right, most okay. Chinese like, cities. Before they started to like uh, try to create unique skylines and stuff like that, it was just, you know, how do we just continue to create these grids? Yeah. I guess one of the questions that people would probably have immediately is, you know, obviously COVID, you know, we're still in it. I think in the U.S. it's coming, uh, people are coming outside a little bit more, but you hear stories about China and, you know, sort of the treatment of foreigners and just a general climate in China. Uh, what can you say in terms of how you feel about being there right now in, in comparison to like, you know, the past eight, 10 years? Uh, I mean, there's different waves or stages. You know, when I, yep. I first came to China, you know, late 07 or, you know, more like 08, but uh, it was still, I was still kind of rare, you know, it was still kind of, uh, uh, I don't want to sound bad. Valuable more, I guess. I don't want to sound, like my knowledge, you know, like there was no Chinese. I mean, there was some Chinese eBay sellers. I mean, even Amazon wasn't big then, but my internet marketing and, and eBay experiences were more rare to Chinese mm-hmm. people. And they wanted to learn a lot from me. Like I would, I would feel like uh, they were more interested to learn from foreigners and business and e-commerce and marketing over the years, obviously, Chinese sellers have done really well. Over a lot of my old previous team members are, are massive sellers on Amazon and you know various platforms. So they're a lot of times feeling like they know enough already. You know, like uh, they could maybe teach foreigners know how to sell on Amazon <laughs> in the in the industry. And uh, lately, now we're I'm, I could talk about it more later. I'm more of a I've been really working to broker more Amazon acquisitions in China and Asia, 
that's a huge thing that's happening is consolidation in the Amazon space. Um, but in, you know, so that's the professional side. Personally, like, obviously I'm also in a second tier city, not many foreigners anyway. So of course I, I still get the looks here, but I do feel there's more, less welcomeness to foreigners. Yeah. It's hard to pinpoint, but it's more, and I have kids. I think, you know, I think, well, you know, I don't know, probably viewers don't know, but I have two children. I have a Chinese wife. They're mixed, mixed kids. And uh, I even brought me to tears a little bit. Like my son, he, he's a very, my daughter, it's more like a cat. Like a, I, maybe women are like cats and do, men are like dogs, you know, like mm-hmm. he's more like a, he doesn't have that like barrier of like, in, I don't want to say not intelligent, but he'll just run up to a kid and want to play. Yeah. You know, and he he looks also a little bit more West light skinned or Western or not Chinese. So some of the kids don't treat him. Uh, plus the he same. says they don't want to play with him. Mm. And, you know, I, I, it'll be me. I'll take, you know, I'm like the token foreigner or whatever in this playground. And then he'll one time it was really bad. Like he was really, really crying hard. And that was a tough, tough one to to to, to deal with because, you know, what do you tell him, you know? How, how old is your How old is your son right now? Just turned seven uh, in May of twenty twenty one. Do you think? Because I guess at seven years old, like, I mean, they're still really, really little kids, but they're smart enough to understand sort of they, stuff that their parents. The tell kids them think he's Thai. The kid yeah. he thinks he. I don't know if he thinks he's Thai, yeah. but he's like they don't want to play with me because I'm from Thailand. Yeah, so I was going to say they're smart enough and, to understand like this person looks a little bit different from us and then also to understand like somebody that sounds a little bit different. And then the third thing is what what their parents say about foreigners. Yeah, you right? know. So that, that's yeah. what I was asking. I was like, if you're like three years old, I don't think you, if your parents are saying bad things about foreigners, you're not really going to register that. But like, I think if you're six, seven, you might you might start to take it take it in. So I was curious about that. I was like, do you think part of it is just like, what the what the parents are saying about uh, foreigners to the kids? Yeah, I mean, I have a feeling, you know, I I my Chinese unfortunately still isn't as good as I want it to be, but you know, I'll I'll overhear sometimes you'll hear them talking about like why go ran and they're they're not knowing I'm even there, you know, and then mm. there's definitely like a lot of this propaganda, you know. I don't want you know with COVID or governments even before COVID there was trade war, you know, there was Hong Kong up up unrest there's been a lot of tension between the West and the East in the last few years. And it's just not, not made it more welcoming and open. And unfortunately, I'm not just going to say it on China side, I think the U S or international side, it's, it's going both ways. I, I don't want to just be purely saying it's China. I think also U S uh, you know, media is also, there's a lot of hate on the U S side to, to Chinese in America and stuff too. So it, it's going both ways. I, I want to make sure I, I do say that, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I mean, obviously, uh, people blame China as a whole for the for the virus, and they forget that it's like, you know, there's over a billion people there. Like, it's not, you know, a lot of the people, most of the people are pretty innocent when it comes to that. Yeah. But yeah, it's just interesting to see how uh, people change. But I, at the same time, I, it's like you can't separate the two countries. Like they're intertwined pretty much forever. It's like, oh, you're still going to have to buy products from China. You know, China still wants, still needs uh, Americans to buy products from them. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's an interesting sort of love, hate marriage. <laughs> yeah. But it's definitely more tense for sure. And it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's nerve wracking, man. 
when I was there, I just felt like just some of the small changes they were making to like, I remember the, I was it the last time I went in. Yeah. So the last time was like, last time I flew into China was probably November, 2000, no, December, 2019. And I, I was coming from the Philippines and I flew in and, and I just left like two weeks before or a week before. And when I flew in, immigration had completely changed. Like it was like, you know, they, they had some other scans that you had to do. And then when you went up, when you went up to the, to the window, they were just asking questions that they never used to ask before. And it wasn't like they were just asking randomly. They were asking every single foreigner to provide more information about this and more information about that. And I was like, wait, this changed in the last seven days. Like what's going on? It just always felt like slowly, but surely trying to squeeze people, you know, out. And then I guess right now, I mean, it's pretty obvious that they don't don't want people out. You can say because of COVID, but I think they're using COVID as a way to restrict certain people from coming into the country. So for example, um, I was just talking to one of my business friends and he just managed to get a, a business visa somehow. <laughs> and uh, he basically had to go and like do multiple interviews at the embassy in the US and state his case as to why he needed to go to China. And, and then he had to get a, I mean, the invitation letter from the factory has always been, that's always been standard or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but like you also had to get what I think they call a PU. It's a letter from the local municipality, like the local government approving your visit. Like, like, as like like you're a dignitary coming into the country like yeah no i mean it's definitely getting even yeah like you said you're talking even pre-covid it's for sure man like even we did the cross-border summit in guangzhou in 2019 that was the fourth i was hoping to do more since then but uh in person but uh we had people flying in and one one i don't I don't know. I don't think they would care if I said who, but he almost had to sleep in immigration. He had a late flight at like, I think he landed like midnight or 1am. I think you know him, but I won't. Basically, I feel like he slept in immigration because they didn't have some person. He didn't have some kind of paper like you're saying, or I tried to tell all the attendees, please print this letter that explains where you're going, why you're going here. Like it's an event, yeah. this, 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 like an English energy. I don't think he so had this maybe. Like, and sort of like an invitation letter and, and well, explaining what your trip is about. It wasn't really, I want to, I want to call it invitation. It was just a generic letter just to explain to the Chinese immigration, the like the why. Was. Yeah. Cause yeah. they were getting harder even then. And, uh, yeah, he barely slept, but he came to the conference anyway in the morning. I think he slept like three hours, you know, four. He got back like four or something in the morning because yeah. it's just really unfortunate. Uh, they're making it this challenging. And uh, that was even before COVID. So now, like, there's WeChat groups and Facebook groups, uh, people stuck, like, separated from families. You know, like, I, I'm so luck- lucky, honestly. I mean, I'm stuck here, but I, I don't know. I would have been with you probably – I guess we could have done this in person, but I would have been with yeah. you, like talking about how I can't get to see my wife and kids because of the, the policies and stuff. And well, I, I remember know. that. I remember that time when we when we met at uh, I think it was Nikkei, the sushi restaurant, and this was like what a day or two before you left, and I think uh, you were still debating. Well, you actually weren't planning on leaving China. You were supposed to go to Bohol, right? But I, I think you were to, still. I yeah, yeah, I think you were still debating whether you should go to China right now or wait. And then I, I remember the discussion. I was like, well, what's the, or like, what's the worst case scenario? Like, well, maybe we, we won't see my wife and kids for like three months. <laughs> yeah. Like we were, we just didn't understand like how bad it was going to be. Right. So, yeah. You know. I mean, 
I think there was one death that that I think we met when there was the first death of COVID in Phil. Maybe yeah. I don't I don't want to mess up the stats, but it was just barely kind of becoming serious in the Philippines around yeah. mid March. Yeah, yeah. So um, it was like one of those things. I guess you you made the right decision in the end. Barely, barely made it in. I was like a movie, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> but. Uh, so in terms of the business side of things, I don't think I ever asked you this actually, but like, how did the whole COVID business pan out for you? Like in terms of how involved were you with PP? And then I also know you had created like a sort of buying group thing. Yeah, yeah. How, yeah. Was, how was that like from a, just from a experience standpoint, but also just from like a financial standpoint, like how was that? I think I maybe break even or lost a little bit first of all um you know it was it was a project that got stuck in co- everybody started bugging everybody for masks remember it was just yeah, nuts yeah, yeah. like everybody was asking for masks i think it was everybody and their i think it was like 10 year olds in their basement and their mom you know at the, yeah. were asking for masks <laughs> online you know it was like out of yeah. control like everybody's asking for masks and so I, yeah, I, I haven't, I don't, I don't really do. Yeah, I, mean, I just, the other day stuff. I was, the other day I was searching for um, an old email from a client and I came yeah. across one inquiry from him where he was like super confidential uh, request from Seattle, Washington government for 20 million K95s. Like, don't tell anybody about this. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Do you know yeah, about the super confidential emails I was getting on a daily basis. It was crazy. <laughs> I know. So I focused on the smaller, like you said, like I always had this idea to bundle together small orders that are yeah. all similar and ship. Cause uh, I like to help small. I always like to help the SMEs. I feel like I was, one, I'm, I'm even them now. I'm, I do a couple of my own products right now we can talk about, but at that time, yeah, I was like, I was also transitioning um, from the alpha rock stuff that, that had a, uh, everything went nuts because the warehouse and Amazon started stopping receiving shipments. And then uh, there was restructuring. So that was also, I was reallocating my time. And then I just, the bass was crazy. And I was always wanted to kind of build this product. I still have the site. I've had it for like 12 years, load pipe. And so I basically was just trapped in a quarantine and just working on building that site and made like a B2B extension on WordPress to like consolidate all these small orders under one and then make one shipment. And we did it. I mean, hopefully it saved some lives or prevented the virus. I mean, we sent uh, quite a few, mostly into the U.S. But what we, yeah, we we would place like, I can't remember the sizes, but obviously there weren't like millions, but there were like, you know, hundreds of thousands, uh, I think. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. KN95, mostly three ply and KN95s. And then uh, the logistics was just, I think you would was just crushing us. And I lost money on shipping because I didn't want to go back and ask them, all these people to pay me like, 10, 20, 30% more. Cause I would quote them shipping and I, you know, I collected all of it and then uh, the shipping just jumps. And then I'm yeah. like, dude, you just, you just gave me the rate like three days ago. I collected the money and now ship. And he's like, no, it's up. Like, I don't know. I'm just like, I, I, you know, I, a lot of people were in my, you know, it was like my, a lot of them were like my friends. Like I worked on wall street and my friend, he ordered like a bunch for him and his family. You know, it was like, uh, and then a lot of our, you know, community bought them from our events and our networks. So I just was like, I don't really, so, you know, and I also didn't have a huge markup on them, but it was a, it was an intense experience, but it's wasn't like too financially rewarding. And then we were of course trying to catch a couple of these big ones. We didn't catch any of the huge ones. I don't know. There were some jokes. I don't know if you know Mohammed and he's in Foshan. He's a cool guy, Mo. Uh, maybe, maybe. Probably if you met him. 
we were just laughing because he's also deep in the fact he works in the factory actually he's he's former anyways yeah actually, actually I, I think i probably spoke to him about some of these projects yeah i bet you you talked to him he's pretty active in wechat groups and stuff but he says we gotta have a nice steak dinner and just laugh about people want to order like three billion like yeah th- like somebody was i talking in the billions and then we were just starting to laugh and then the worst was Here's a story. I don't know if I, sh- I probably didn't share it in the in your channel or I said a couple times, but you know. So I did a load pipe. What I would do is I would make a group on WeChat or not, not all WeChat on his email or website, and then we say, okay, this week we're raising you know fifty thousand or whatever, hundred thousand order for this mask or one was like a washable mask. People want washables. And, you know, I'm collecting like a thousand pieces. What no, like what is that? Three hundred dollar orders, five hundred dollar orders. You know, so I would make a WeChat group about the order. One dude jumped into the group and I was answering questions about the specs of this washable mask. And there's like 10 or 15 people in this WeChat group. And the guy drops a picture of another mat washable mask and says, I got this, add me for a better price. And then maybe even say exactly like this, but you know, the worst is, you know what his nickname was? Uh, you know, on WeChat, you can rename somebody. Yeah. You know, I, I, I rename people when they add me because he was in my network. It's I'm not going to say his name, but his name, blog reader fan. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, so I PM'd him and I'm like, dude, like what? What is yeah. wrong, man? It's like 15 people that want to buy this mask. And you're like, what? Why? Like, I, I don't want to yeah. call you out in the group, but like everyone was just nuts, right? He's like, so then as I called him out in it, he put it in a few other groups, but I, I am 99% sure he was covering his butt. And he's like, no, no, sorry. I was just sharing it in all, all of the groups. You know, he was just saying like, he didn't know what group he was like, just sharing. Like he did it. like a mass, a mass. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he said yeah. that. And I'm like, all right, man, but I just, that's just not, I don't know. That's what he's just like, oh, it's WeChat. I just you know, like that. So, but it was just, everybody was just nuts, bro. Everybody was just going freaking nuts, you know, it's just, but yeah, I mean, as far as that, like, you know, you said also the PPE stuff kind of died off. I, I was going to try to do like, like my wife's very supportive, you know, she's a businesswoman, not a group. So we try to do like a non PPE product and we, but people are like, why are you spamming me, selling me, trying to sell me a thousand of these, you know, I don't want to buy this, you know? So I didn't want to like e- email every on that list like this week buy this this week yeah. buy this globe next week yeah. buy this you know it's like kind of spammy right like so i ran a survey to the list and then and people were just like my because they know autumn just knew me they're like mike you know you help some people out you tried this but go back to your amazon go back to your uh you know that's what a few of them, they're just straight up telling me and i was like collecting some feedback and yeah i just said so it's kind of on ice. I didn't, you know, the site's still there, but it's not a price. It was never, it was always in beta. So I just never took it out of beta, but I, I still tell people like, this is part of uh, I st- I, business, right? Like, I still think the load pipe idea is, is a, is a smart one because like, um, do you know about how, uh, sort of the Filipino Amazon buyers do like I've been hearing buying about groups? It. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think. You yeah. It's like all these, about. all these, um, Filipino people that were helping manage or are helping manage people's Amazon businesses, they learn from that process. And then be- obviously they don't have the capital to, to purchase large orders by themselves. So they all put money yeah, together yeah. and purchase the same product. Think, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's a proven, it's a proven concept. And I think it's really smart. Like 
it's just one of those things where you know you have to uh, somebody just has to organize it right like somebody has to yep. here they have conferences where they have you know hundreds of people coming together and then they all buy the same product and sell it locally or sell yeah. it on amazon which is which is cool i think it's a it's a cool idea it's kind of cool it's kind of yeah. cool but then also people were telling me and it was true like it's kind of almost like your competitors are buying the same product it's like yeah but the pie is big enough for everybody right like that's that's the point it's yeah. like you, you 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 maybe you use that as a jumping off point and then you get to a stage where you're selling enough that you can just buy by yourself or transition into other products i i think I think it's like, True. well, what's the alternative? Especially if you're talking about people that maybe don't have access to capital. Yeah. Like, what is the alternative for them? Like, they just sit around and wait for somebody to give them, you know, $10,000 to place an order. Like, you know, I think you can use it as a jumping off point and then, and then sort of build up your business from there. Yeah, I think the way I would look at that would be, yeah, load pipe could be something that, you know, is for startups and people with lower capital that want to purchase goods, but can't afford to to place a large order and then yeah i mean i'm, I'm love man maybe we can do something together i mean sarah it's ready but uh i mean it's Karska is a bit upgrade we did some pretty custom high customization development on wordpress but um but i think the tricky part is yeah call actually a lot of people when they give you the product they don't know if they really want others to uh they don't want to make it too public either yeah. depending on the product so it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. it's i do agree i do feel there it's on my uh list of businesses but uh it just didn't seem like it fit then basically logistics got so expensive at mm -hmm. that time and still is right i don't yeah, know it's still it's still ridiculous it's still nuts so this small shipments from asia is, well, is challenging. I, I think the prices have normalized a little bit like it's a little bit more stable it's still much higher than it was before and, and there's always like these random increases i remember a few months ago it was like 10% more because of whatever. And I was like, okay, like, you know, <laughs> you can't even really dispute what they're saying, but at least it's, it's normalized in the sense that it's not jumping like what you're talking about, where you quote somebody and then three days later, it's gone up by 30%. That happened to us a bunch of times to the point where, um, you know, after it happened a few times, I just, I told Mike, uh, not you obviously, but I told uh, China Mike, I was like, dude, like when we quote people, we shipping has to be separate. It just has yeah. to be a separate cost because, you know, some of these larger shipments that we did, um, let's say like, I don't know, 50,000 masks or 100,000 masks, like the price difference between what we quoted for shipping versus when we had to actually pay the shipping was so, so fucking huge that it would just kill, it would, would have killed our, our profit margin. So we're just like, yeah, we had to, yeah, we, we didn't lose money. We were profitable, but we just didn't make as much because of the shipping. Yeah. You know I mean? It's like, it was the difference between making like a, a pretty big profit versus like okay we did really well um enough to kind of you know take out some bonuses and pay the staff bonuses and keep us afloat for uh, a little bit over a year but like yeah as, so and then it was like it was kind of interesting because you know you have this opportunity to make a lot of money right and then you get excited about it and then in the end you make a more money than you made probably before but you're disappointed because <laughs> you didn't make that much money that you expected. Right. So I was actually talking to Mike about that. And I was like, when you really think about it, we should just be super happy about what happened because, you know, it was a difficult situation. It was extremely difficult to manage. I don't know how many people would have been able, how many companies would have been able to do what we did, you know, in that, in that way, of course, you know, it was frustrating because you had 
sometimes PPE that we have to send to hospitals and, you know, it's delayed by three weeks or, you know, two weeks. And you know, yeah. these are frontline workers who are like, know. you know, and some of the PPE that we were sending to hospitals were actually donations. It was like a charity yeah. buying it from us and then donating. And it was like, you know, and we're telling them like, look, we, we shipped it out. But it was like, we can't, like, there's nothing we can do. It's stuck. You there know? was a like, lot sitting on planes. And I remember it was like, I felt like, it was you would kind of tr- somewhat limited tracking it's like it's in a it's in shenzhen and now it's on a plane in hong kong airport sitting there i'm like or in a where i'm like man is it yeah and then you see those scary pictures online did you see those like rooms huge rooms of just boxes and there's some of them exploding of masks you ever see that picture um <laughs> it was like that was scary it was like this huge thing of just masks exploding out of boxes everywhere and like this huge huge warehouse yeah Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for listening to this episode of the Main Cheddar Podcast. If you want to reach out to us, that's podcast at sourcefinasia.com. If you want to check out the show notes from the episode that you just watched, that's sourcefinasia.com slash made in China. And be sure to also check out our YouTube channel, Source Finasia. All one word. Cheers. Yeah, this is for my niggas in the struggle. Yeah, this is for my niggas in the struggle. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, another perspective. Just another perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, lifestyle of the young black and genius. Sun strapped with guns, packed in jeans, and the blunts got my lungs black and cheesy. Yeah, played with killers, hung gat, and slung crack for leisure. And tell a nigga run that, get gun clap for sneakers. Young niggas emulate what's coming out the speakers. So every